The, the Parsha today is a pretty difficult one to really wrap one's head around uh, sometimes, depending on, on what aspect of it you're looking at. And for me, there's, there's an aspect that is always a bit troubling, this idea of shamor v'zachor b'dibor echad. Right, we've seen this in, in Mechadodi, that God spoke at one time in a single utterance, both the idea of zachor Shabbat, which, to, to remember Shabbat, which is what we read today, and shamor Shabbat, to keep Shabbat, which is what we read during Peshat v'etchanan, uh, much later in the year, when we read the Ten Commandments for the second time. I'm obviously not alone in being troubled by this. Plenty of rabbis have been. And if you look at a Mikrot Gadolot, at the rabbinic commentaries on the parsha, there are pages and pages and pages of commentaries just on like, the first one or two commandments. And the others as well, but just there's a lot, a lot of words written on, on just those first little bits. What's troubling is that the very beginning of the, of the Ten Commandments here, uh, if, you, if you want to look, you can look. But on page 441, at the very beginning of chapter 20, it says, Vayidaber Elohim etz kol hadvarim ha'eleh lemor. And God spoke all of these words, saying, and goes on. And from this, the rabbis say that everything was all said at once. Which is really troubling. How can everything all be said at once? And even if they could all be said at once, how on earth could we as humans understand everything all at once? So what I'm going to share with you today is actually all of Ibn Ezra's commentary on this. Um, nothing here is really my original thought at all. It's all Ibn Ezra, but I want to share with you because it's just fascinating uh, interpretation of what's going on. The very first thing Ibn Ezra discusses is the, uh, the concept of lightning and thunder. And he says that the eye can see lightning well before the ear can hear can hear it, can hear the thunder that goes along with it. This idea that it can be something really powerful and profound that happens at once, but maybe it takes a little while to understand it. And so what, he ta- what he's talking about in this case is maybe you have all of this stuff that's said all at once, but even if it takes a while for it to, to reach us from, from the mountain to come to our ears, we see all this awesome stuff happening on the top of the mountain, doesn't quite make sense because we have to be able to hear like a zayin before we hear the chaf and the resh of zahor. Like there's a certain order that the words have to, the sounds have to come to our ears. If they all come to our ears at the same time, then how can we actually distinguish this? It's just this really powerful, overwhelming experience. Like we have to be able to break it down a little bit. So he explains that another way to think of it is that the first two commandments, the first two utterances are that lightning, and everything that, else, everything that comes after it is the thunder. The first two utterances are all about God. And in fact, they're the ones that are written in the first person. I am Adonai, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. After that, right, Lotisai Shem Hashem Elohecha, right? Don't uh, you know, take God's name in vain. Right? And everything else is talking about God in the third person. So it's first two where God is in the first person. So according to Ibn Ezra, maybe those first two are really like is that lightning and everything else comes afterwards. 
what does he really mean by this? That's a little confusing as well. So what he goes on to explain is that anytime we have a law, specifically in Judaism, whenever we have our laws all written out, we have the law, which is really simple, short language. Like if you look at a Mishnah, really short concepts, short sentences. But then we have all this explanation, what it actually means. And the rabbis are, you're just writing words after word after word, trying to explain what those mitzvot are actually all about. He says that the law itself is like the, uh, is like a neshama, uh, right? It's the, it's, it's the, yeah, it's the neshama, it's the soul. It's the essence of, of the law. And all the words that are poured onto the page, poured out about explaining that law, that is the body, which is that the body can change with time, right? You can, have a, you can have a little kid like Evie running around, right? And I remember when he was born, literally, I was, I was there at his breast. <laughs> All right, but, I, but you have this little kid, Evie, and he can get older, and he can get even older, and one day he'll be an old man, balding and, and bent over, and his neshama is going to be the same. Right? It's the same neshama inside of him, even though the outside has changed. And the same thing is the idea of our laws, that the neshama, the essence of the law is always the same, but we might use different ways to describe it. We might just use different words to describe it. And he says this is no different than the idea of a dream. If you have a dream, and you, you wake up, and you remember kind of what it's about, you'll always, like, if it's a really powerful dream that sticks with you, you'll always actually remember it. But every time you try to explain it and describe it to somebody, you're never going to use the exact same words. It's always going to be a little different from one moment to the next. And so what Ibn Ezra is saying is that the essence of all the Torah is all found in this concept, I am Adonai, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. That is the essence. And everything else is just, they're just words trying to explain that idea. And how do we get to that idea? So... Shabbat is a way of helping us understand the oneness of God and that God freeing us from slavery. Right? Shabbat is all about freeing us from slavery. So it doesn't really matter how we describe Shabbat because Shabbat is really there just to help describe God. Does that make sense? You're all following this? Okay. So, then we get to the question though, if that's the case, okay, well, you know, but shouldn't it matter though, if we change things around a little bit. Like, how can we possibly say Shamor at Yom HaShabbat and how can we say Zachor at Yom HaShabbat? It it just seems very strange. And he says it's like this. He gives a wonderful mashal, a wonderful parable. He says, somebody comes up to me and says, please write down this message for me. I'm going to dictate to you a message. And so I sit there and the person says, write, Ani Ploni Oavecha. I am Ploni, your, your beloved one. Right? So I just decided to write Ani Ploni Ovecha. And when I write Ploni, I write Pe Lamed Nun Yud. Right? I could write it Pe Lamed uh, Vav Nun Yud. But I just write it Pe Lamed Nun Yud because both are acceptable ways of writing the name Ploni. And when I write Ovecha, I could write Aleph Vav Pe Vet Chaf. Or I could just leave the Vav out. Both are proper spellings for both of those words. 
So somebody could come up to me, you know, somebody could come up and says, so Ruvain comes up to me and says, why did you write it like what's called chaser? Uh, why did you write it like not fully spelled out? Why did you take out those vavs? I'm like, what are you talking about? The person just asked me to write what they dictated. This is how I write Ploni and Oavecha. Had they said to me, please write Ploni with a vav and Oavecha with a vav, I would. But it's the exact same thing. What does it matter? So what matters is because somebody might, some point in the future, come along and say, that's not how it's supposed to be written. It should be written like this. And because it's not written like that, there's a problem. But the person who originally dictated the letter didn't indicate if they cared one way or the other about how the words were written. Right? They just said, this is the message I want to get across. And so the nimshal, the understanding, the takeaway from the parable is that God dictated to Moshe the concept and Moshe chose to write things down however Moshe chose to write things down. And here I wrote Shamor and here I wrote Zachor. Mahavdel. What, what difference does it make? It's the same concept. We're still talking about the same thing. Okay. And God doesn't care. God just says, make sure that people actually understand the essence of what it's all about anyways. So, but then we get, like, but then people say, might say, but Shamor is completely different than Zachor, and Zachor is completely different than Shamor. How, like, it still doesn't really make sense. And he says, it's okay, because both are the same. Right? Zechirat Shabbat, right, the, the remembering Shabbat, is all for the sake of Shmirat Shabbat, for the sake of keeping Shabbat. Right? Throughout the week, what day is it today? Is it Monday? Okay, I'm fine. Is it Tuesday? Okay, I can go to work. I can write. Is it Wednesday? Okay. Wait, it's Saturday? I'm remembering Shabbat so that I don't work, so that I don't do things, so that, nor that I can keep Shabbat. And why do we keep Shabbat? So that we remember that we were slaves in Egypt and that God freed us. And our, our, our freedom, our existence is all entirely due to God. Right, so Shamor and Zahor are completely interdependent on one another. It doesn't matter which is said first. It doesn't matter which we even say because both of them teach us the same thing. They are just the bodies encompassing the soul of the law. Ibn Ezra then continues and concludes actually asking, but why then start with this idea of I am Adonai your God? Why is that the place where we start? And he says that all people, it doesn't matter if you are a Tamil Hacham, a great scholar, or if you are Am Ha'art, just an average Joe, doesn't matter who you are, everybody can understand that our freedom is an incredible gift. And if we say that God is the one who gave us our freedom and gave us our lives, then all of us should feel indebted to God. And the whole point is to keep it very simple so that we feel indebted to God. And therefore, we will actually perform all of mitzvot. We won't make idols. We won't take God's name in vain. We'll keep and remember Shabbat. We'll honor our parents, Joseph. We will, <laughs> we will, right, we will not uh, murder. We will not steal. We will not covet. Right? Right, we will not bear false witness. Right? All of these are ways to be able to fulfill God's desires and to be able to serve God and to be able to uphold the idea of, of God's oneness and our dependence on God. And so that first really powerful utterance is that flash of lightning that everybody can see and everybody can be in awe of. And if you hear the rumble here, or maybe you hear the rumble there, right, the sound can travel in different directions 
and reach different people at different times and they understand it in different ways, that's okay. It's okay to understand Torah differently. It's okay if a vav is missing here or there's an additional vav here. If a word is missing here or it's changed to something else there. It doesn't matter because the whole point of all of Torah is to acknowledge the singularity of God and our indebtedness to God. And from that, all other Torah emanates. Um, it's really a beautiful uh, teaching that Ibn Ezra shares with us. And so, as you, uh, you know, as, you, as you come across Torah and you find things that seem to be um, uh, in discord with one another or things that just don't quite make sense, uh, the question you should ask yourself is not necessarily what's, what's wrong with this, what's missing, what's, what's deficient or what's superfluous. You should ask yourself, how does this help bring me closer to God? And we all be close to God uh, in the days, weeks, months ahead. Shabbat shalom, everybody.